0: Welcome to Great Minds, and our guest today for a returning visit. Maryam, I think this is our, in 220 somewhat episodes, I think this is our first or maybe second return. Oh, wow, I'm honored. Uh, yes, yeah, so indeed, indeed. And uh, it's a very, very old dear and friend, uh, Maryam Banakareem. Maryam and I have known each other a very long time, and she has probably done a better job in the art of meaningful reinvention than anyone I know. She is super accomplished, has had some big, big jobs at some of the biggest players in our business, super accomplished academically. I love that you're now a member of the board of trustees at Barnard, which Thank I think you. happened since we last spoke. Uh, when we last spoke, you were with Next Door, but you started something of a different sort, NYC Next, Uh, that has led to the creation of a phenomenal campaign for the city we all know and love so much. So we are thrilled to have you back, Maryam, and get a chance to talk about what you're doing now, which sort of breaks format a little bit, but I thought it was so compelling, so wonderful. We were privileged to help uh, put you on our air at the Amazon channel at Advertising Week in the fall, Um, but I'm just thrilled to get a chance to talk to you again. So a hearty welcome.
1: Thank you so much for um, having me. It's an amazing community to be be a part of.
0: Well, wonderful uh, to have you. So let's jump ahead and let's get right into your role as co-founder of NYC Next, which goes back to about the summer of 2020. Let's start and talk about that.
1: Yeah, so in the summer of 2020, while I was at Nextdoor, um, there was a lot of conversation in New York, which is where we were still living. Um, about New York City being dead. And you'll remember there was a guy who had a comedy club who wrote that famous article, New York is Dead, as he moved to Florida. And those articles began coming one after the next. And as somebody who was living here and who was working here, I was just sort of incredulous that that was the reaction because we were all still here. The city was still alive while obviously under incredible pressure during COVID. So we sent out an email on August 19th of 20 to a lot of former CMOs and others in our network and said, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of these stories of New York being dead. Who's game to get on a call and talk about what we might be able to do. Fast forward five weeks, we ended up doing sort of a test in our own neighborhood in Chelsea, where we had Ilya Villafranco, an award-winning, Grammy award-winning jazz musician and three others perform on the corner. We had t-shirts on, we booked reservations into the open-air restaurants, and we really promoted that concert in the corner that brought back energy and sort of that serendipity that really the arts has to our city back into the neighborhood. So we sort of tested and learned, and then the next pop-up that we did, which we also did not promote because it was the height of covid but really, sort of amplified on social and earned media was a moment for Broadway, which was Bernadette Peters and 24 other award-winning Broadway performers singing "Sunday" from "Sunday in the Park with George." That moment was really in, incredible, and it blew up all over earned media because it was the first time a lot of these performers had been together since COVID had broken. So that was in October. COVID really broke in March, right? So many months where people had just been locked down in in their homes. And that moment in Duffy Square, which really serves as the heart of that community, where they came together and used their voices in unison for one song, like out in the open, was really this magical moment. And we were all crying, honestly. And I think the thing that was amazing was that everybody was doing this as a side hustle. Everybody was donating their time, whether it was Gary Vayner, who lent us some comm support or you know, others who were putting down gaffer tape. We all just came together because we loved the city and we believed deeply that the arts are the soul of the city and the arts community in particular at that moment had no support. And so we had raised a little bit of money from friends and family and we used that money to pay the artists a stipend as we did these because we thought it mattered that they know that we cared and, and we're here for them.
0: So let's dig a little deeper on the origin of this because it's become an incredible, I'm going to use the word movement that you started, but a lot of us were in New York, I was too, we saw things that we didn't like, we saw a narrative that we didn't like, I would say a false narrative uh, about New York City, Uh, but you went out and did something, was there a moment was there a story? Was there a tipping point? I'll use that word, that said, I gotta do something.
1: Well, I think I'd been I was at next door, right? And next door was very busy in like in the pandemic. Unlike my friends who were learning how to bake bread, I was on, you know, Zoom calls every day um, as we were trying to be there meaningfully for neighbors. But I was at a board meeting in July. And I wanted to do a three market test. And one of the markets I wanted to do the test in was New York, where often we would, one would do a test, right? Because it's a media market. And the board was like, New York is dead. Like, why would you do a test in New York? And then that article came out and I was like, okay, that's just one too many. Um, And honestly, one of our friends is a woman named Carolyn Donahue, who was a former CMO at Intuit. And her and my husband had been working on a bunch of stuff on local politics. And I was like, okay, you know what, like, let's fix the thing that's right here, like right in front of us. Like instead of trying to solve these bigger problems, we've all become more connected to place. We've all been stuck in place in a way that we hadn't when we were always, you know, traveling for work. I was like, let's see if we can't help something that's right here that is so clearly needed. And we didn't know what we were going to do. We got on the call. We started a Google doc. People started putting in suggestions for different things that they wanted to tackle. And when we got on that first call and everybody said yes, and that was kind of the amazing moment was people were like, I'd like to do something around homelessness. I'd like to do something around computers in schools. And then we sort of landed on one thing that we were just going to try. And then when that took off, it sort of took a life of its own. I mean, I suppose that's how movements happen. Like there's a spark and then it sort of takes off. And by the time that really got going, there were 600 volunteers. Wow,
0: absolutely fantastic. So that next door sort of, you've had such an incredible career and worked in so many corporations. I remember vividly, where were we? We ended up at a breakfast or a lunch. We were both in the same hotel in China, I think it was.
1: Yeah, when I was at Hyatt.
0: At Hyatt. So you've had so many, so many gigs. But it sounds like the next door experience really, whether purposefully or inadvertently, was a real setup for what would follow.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I took that job at Nextdoor, right? Like going from Global Sam Hyatt, I think the Nextdoor crew wasn't 100% sure what it was going to be like having somebody who'd had a lot of resources join an internet startup. But for me, the purpose of connecting neighbors so that everybody had a neighborhood that they could belong to was something that really spoke to me, right? As a kid who'd grown up Um, leaving Iran in the middle of the 79 revolution, I'd sort of lost my community and sense of belonging until really I landed in New York, where I think the diversity, the energy, the possibility of New York, um, you know, I say like you can find one of eight, you know, of anything in New York, and that includes people. And so for me, this was the place that really gave me my voice and gave me a sense of belonging. And I used to make lists of things I was passionate about. I always was like, oh, I want to work on things I'm passionate about. On my top five was always New York. And so when the opportunity showed up, I was like, let's just try and, I mean, we didn't know if it was going to work. And we did that first one. When that Broadway one happened, all of a sudden we got lots of calls and lots of other inbounds because people were like, who are these crazy people who were able to get the red steps of Times Square and all these amazing performers and then to make that noise. And it really was a testament to the power of the community because there was no one person in charge. I mean... It really was not, you know, I can say I'm a co-founder. There were many, many founding members that we share, you know, people who care deeply about the city.
0: And so two words that you use, which are part of what you're doing now at uh, Marian B, use the word purpose and use the word passion. And I think both really describe you to a T. Let's talk about purpose and passion and the road from NYC Next to We Love NYC.
1: well, you know, I'd corporately, I'd done purpose work since I was the CMO at Univision, right? So every job after that job where I learned about sort of Jim Collins and purpose, that became the through line, I think, in my career at that point. And for me, I mean, I was a kid who had student loans and had to pay her own way after her father passed away and, you know, and the revolution. And I think for me, I always wanted to make a difference beyond just making money. I mean, I obviously needed to pay my bills, so I'm not making light of that but I needed to feel like I could have impact and care. And so every job sort of gave me that opportunity, but I'd never like done it in this purest of ways, which is what New York City Next was. And I remember Jennifer Reingold one day saying to me, we found purpose out of despair. Like it was a dark time in New York, right? I would bring the groceries and Lysol wipe them down. You know, I'd go to the Chelsea market for the fruits in the morning at eight. I knew what was going on with Carmen cuz I was the only person there most days. And so that sense of wanting to be there for each other as a as neighbors, right, was very acute in that time. And that's where you saw lots of people step up. We were just one example of many. Whether it was people getting on the steps at 7 to bang pots and pans, the essential workers or Carmen who showed up every day and we weren't sure what was happening to sell fruits to people, right? to, I would say, Katie Savage, who lost her job and then started doing litter pickup in Hell's Kitchen because the garbage was just piling up, or John Wang, who had started the Queen's Night Market, or I don't know, Sasha Gutierrez, who's from Columbia and had been stuck indoors and decided she was going to perform opera on her stoop in Brooklyn. The thing about New York is that we're a city of doers, right? And so while we were down, we weren't out. And I think you saw lots of people do what we do which is we might be a city of individuals, but at our core, we come together as a collective and do something. And so I was struck by how many doers there were. We were just one of many.
0: Absolutely fantastic. And do you did, many people try to do, but you created work product Tell us what you, it was something that we put on our air. Was it a spot that you created in October? Because I saw it and I said, oh, look at that. That's Maryam, but I'd love to hear it from you.
1: Yeah, you know, so we did 14 pop-ups in all the different boroughs because we wanted to make sure we weren't just focused on Manhattan or Brooklyn. Um, As we did that, we did 14 of them. And then the governor's office actually began to do New York pops as the city began to open up. And so we were like, we we weren't we weren't competing with anybody. We were just trying to be helpful. So we were like, okay, well, somebody else is going to do pop-ups. What should we do to be helpful? And that's when um, I'm pretty sure it was Tom Kitt came up with the idea of getting Billy Joel to give us the rights to New York State of Mind. We all sort of grew up in the era of um, We Are the World. And so we had this idea of making a music video. And really the idea was to feature iconic New Yorkers singing in iconic New York locations as a love letter to New York using that song, which Billy Joel wrote in the 70s at another time where the city was going through a difficult time. So we were able to get a hold of Billy Joel. He gave us the rights to that song. And then again, literally everybody doing this, you know, for the purity of giving back to the city, we got Adina Menzel, the Clasmatics, you know, um, Andy Cohen, uh, Stephen Colbert to participate and made this music video in eight months. Again, all donations, right? And um, it was amazing. It broke on CBS Sunday morning. It then aired at the CNN broadcast of the We Are We Love New York concert. Um, and then it got 2.5 billion impressions, right? And all from donated media because we had no money, right? And so we would. We basically had a six-month license, and so we lent it out um, to as many places as we could to get people to see it. And, you know, then then fast forward, like, six or seven months later, we won a New York Emmy for it, which, <laughs> I mean, none of us did it for the prize, and I would say that wasn't what drove us. But, and honestly, we almost didn't go to the event because we didn't really, it wasn't what drove us, right? And then I remember when we won, we all sort of looked at each other, like, absolutely in shock. <laughs>
0: What a fantastic story. Uh, I'm working on something now. I'm not sure what it will be yet, but around the notion of unintended consequences. And and your story there really manifests, you know, that uh, there you are just trying to help a city that you love and you end up on stage getting an Emmy award.
1: Yeah, literally, I was like, oh, how does that happen? I don't know. And by the way, not just me. Right. There were so many. I, I, I can't say that enough. It really was not an individual effort. Um, But I would say to you, the unintended consequences of us all leaning in to do what we do for a living, right, but like for our city, was that we got connected to Kathy Wild, who has been running the partnership for New York for a very long time. And so Kathy became sort of a fan and somebody who would unlock doors for us if we got stuck because she is often referred to as the most powerful woman in New York at the intersection of the business community, the government organizations, the mayor, the governor, nonprofits. And so it was in February of 22 when she said to me, would I go to a meeting with her? And after or well, actually in the meeting, um, one of her members said to her, I think we need to have something from the partnership, which really is an, a coalition builder to help bring back the city. And I don't think you can wait for government or any organization alone. And she said to me, would you be willing to leave your job to do this? And that's literally what prompted, um, you know, fast forward in June, I worked out a time to be able to leave after we took um, next door public to be able to come and do this full time. And again, same thing. It's sort of a collective of small creative agencies, digital strategists, very small, nimble group who's been working for almost a year to really come up with the concept, which is really based on our experience of New York City Next and that New Yorkers can come together. And yes, of course, there's a new logo of which many people have opinions, which I absolutely love, but really not about the logo. It's about saying "We're, we're a city and the city needs us and the city needs us to do something. And so Let's come together because it matters. It really, this is a time that's going to matter. I mean, I people say to me, oh, the city's back. And I said, not if you look at the data, it's not back. And I don't, ta- I'm not talking about people being in the office or out of the office. When you look at polls, many, many people are concerned about the future of New York. And, you know, it's, it doesn't matter if I tell you the numbers are better than what people feel. This is like where perception matters. People worry about the litter, affordability, Um, you know, the issue around the unhoused uh, litter, right? It's just, there's a sense of malaise and we need to step in to help the city like citizens did in the seventies, another time when the city had a difficult time. And I think that if, look, the world has become incredibly divided. There's a lot we can all argue about, including whether you like the, we love New York City logo or not. But in the end, I'm like, what's going to matter is stepping in.
0: Absolutely. And you know, we uh, were going through some old boxes the other day, and I found my very first job out of college. I worked for Mayor Koch and a wonderful New Yorker, Bobby Wagner, Jr., and was a policy analyst for something called the Commission on the Year 2000. And the Commission had a lot of smart people, people like Bob McGuire, who was an expert on crime, the former police commissioner, Donna Shalala, a name I imagine you know, ed- education, and was really plotted a, a course. For the future of new york this was published in 1987 and it was what is new york going to be like in the year 2000 and how do we prepare and it was remarkably accurate because there were great great brains that were behind it uh i was just a staff you know grunt if you will but to me there's a resilience about new york but i agree with you i think these are challenging times for our city And the perception in today's world is reality. Uh, Our uh, digital world rewards the negative voice and amplifies the negative stories much more so than similarly for positive stories. Talk about the challenging environment that we're in from what you do for a living in our industry. You understand all this better than most. Talk about the challenge of what you're doing now very different than however many years it was ago. Uh, it's got to be now probably close to almost 50 years for the I Love New York campaign, a very different
1: time. Well, first of all, I mean, the I Love New York campaign was designed as a tourism effort. It was designed for the state. And by the way, I love how often we re- reference Milton Glazer, but Mary Wells of Wells Rich and Green was a critical part of that equation. So I like to set the record straight because it takes more than one person to make magic happen. And so, you know, I, I love the Milton Grazer mark. Who doesn't, right? It's an iconic mark. And the work that they did was iconic, including the amazing spot that they did for Broadway that had lots of Broadway singers in it. But we're in a different era and we're in a digital social era. And the way we thought about the mark was we wanted to tee off the I love New York mark, which we all love. It's not being replaced. Come Memorial Day, we'll be back out in its full glory, um, trying to bring tourists back to our, our state. Um and we decided that we wanted to tee up the heart to be animated in a world that is now 3D. So the heart actually animates. It becomes the Mets hat, the Yankees hat, a playbill, a pigeon. We thought about a rat and poop because, you know, of course, we understand our city, Um, We're not precious about it. And then it actually, as we thought about the mark, we were like, it's not a moment for I or me. It's a moment for we. And it was a very deliberate decision to flip that word because to what you're describing, Matt, I think, you know, we've made a lot of progress as a society, good or bad. Uh, What's needed today is for us to come together and care and not just care, but to do something about it. And that's what we want to tee off. And really, we iterated to New York City because this isn't about tourism. I mean, I hope it makes tourists want to come because it's gotten a lot of coverage in other cities. Um, But what I'm hoping it does is it reinforces for those of us who live here, that this is our city and that it matters and what we do matter.
0: Absolutely. And, and you've done a brilliant job not only uh, working with Kathy in the partnership, but really getting uh, political forces uh, together who normally are not necessarily always together. I remember when we were doing the final bid for the Goodwill Games in the early 90s and we had the support of both Mayor Dinkins and Governor Mario Cuomo. And even though they were both Democrats, both sitting in office at the same time, when we went to Atlanta to meet with Ted Turner in the final pitch, they wouldn't go with each other. We had to get two planes, right? I said, can't we just get one plane? Do I really have to get two planes? And uh, thankfully, John Tish gave us a plane from Lowe's and Pat Mulhern from what was then 9X, the predecessor to Bell Atlantic, which was the predecessor to Verizon. Uh, We got the 9X plane. You've done a great job uniting the city and the state. Talk about that, because that's a little bit of a different experience. And you, to your credit, and the credit of those around you and working with you, you're having real success there.
1: Well, honestly, that credit belongs to Kathy Wild. I mean, you know, we're we're very good at having a vision for the marketing idea, and not just the marketing idea, but for the movement. For us, it was never about marketing; it was about generating a movement to bring back civic action. I think that's what really connected with Kathy and her board and Kathy again sits at this intersection, particularly because she also works very closely and her board is made up of a lot of the top CEOs of the in the city um, who understand that you need to work both sides of the aisle. So she's been really able to bring people together from the mayor, the governor, the labor, um, you know, the heads of the different labor unions, all the different commissioners to basically help us tee up that you can actually do something with the parks, or you can help with sanitation, or you can help support small businesses, right? When we had the press conference, you had all of these different people there. That is really without a question her gift. I think what's been amazing is having this partnership with her because she doesn't come from the world of marketing. And for us, this isn't about marketing. It's really about a movement and like authentically believing in the purpose. She also believes in that and she's able to galvanize a different group to come to the table. And I think, you know, people, there were many articles that were written after the launch and, you know, people kept calling, you know, wanting to sell us media. I said, every single piece of media was donated. You know, 14 millions of $14 $14 million plus of donated media. That is no small thing, which by the way, came in, you know, we held hands in January and said like, we're just going to go. And, you know, by the middle of February, Kathy had sent out the note and the, you know, the in-kind started coming in. We did not start with a lot of cash. This was not funded by taxpayer dollars. Most of the small agencies who worked on this, worked on this almost pro bono. This was a passion project for everybody involved, and. I think the fact that you're seeing it all over, right, from nobody said no who we got in touch with. And you're seeing it not just in billboards and Link NYC and in the subway, but on, on the rail cars, you're seeing it in people's buildings, right? People gave us donated space in their buildings, whether it was First Republic or Hudson Yards or, you know, Staten Island, like the Empire Outlets. You know, the other day we got a call from somebody at Gristidi's who wanted to give us their screens in the in their grocery stores. And I said, I just want to be clear, all our media is donated. He said, no, no, I'm donating it to you, you know, or somebody who called, um, you know, from from another organization in Staten Island or somebody who called across from City Hall who has an empty storefront and wants to get the assets to fill the windows or Macy's who did the most glorious activation I think the other thing that was really amazing, because, you know, we were a a scrappy creative group when we were trying to sort of test out our ideas. One of the thoughts that came up was actually seeing if we gave the mark to Creative Agency Network, if they would be inspired to do posters for New York. And honestly, the credit for this goes to Kim, who was the founding, um, the founder of Paper Magazine. Kim showed me this issue that she had done where she had actually gotten Bogowski and a bunch of different people to do posters to reimagine their love of the US. And I was like, what a great idea. So we were sitting down and I said, what if we just asked your agency network that's global? If they had two weeks, would they do posters you know, to reimagine their love of New York if they have it? Because nobody was getting compensated. Literally in two weeks, we got over 30 posters from as far as South Africa to Ireland to Singapore. And one of the ideas that the agency had come up with was using these amazing posters and wild postings, but also as a window display. And Macy's took that idea. And if you go to Herald Square for six weeks, there's six windows that have all these posters with this amazing, we love New York um, you know, execution in it's windows. And the gentleman, Maxie, who designed one of those posters from Ireland flew in and I got to meet him standing in front of Macy's. And he just was like the most amazing guy. And he said, you know, I work at a small agency. They gave the brief to anybody who wanted to participate. And he did. And then he'd flown in like from Dublin to see his poster in Williamsburg and in the Macy's windows. And, you know, that call is out for everybody. I mean, we tested it with this agency network to see if there was something in the idea, but now we've opened that call to anybody who wants to, you know, show their love of New York in a visual way. It doesn't have to be just litter pickup.
0: So you put yourself out there, you uh, have a real vision and a passion. Where does this thing go from here now? You've done a successful launch, you've galvanized a huge amount of media it's out there. I love that you have a focus on all five boroughs. But what's the medium and long-term vision of this? Where are we in six months? Where are we in a year with what you're doing?
1: We're trying to initiate a movement and that doesn't happen in a short term, right? I think what we're really focused on now is really trying to drive to action. How can we make a turnkey for those who want to step in to step in? So we're busy working with the Parks Department, we're busy working, the mayor has a campaign to get um, everybody to donate an hour of volunteer time with 8.5 million New Yorkers, that's a lot of hours. Like, how do we make it turnkey? Because those of us who have tried to volunteer know that sometimes it's actually quite difficult. And I think the other thing for me, and several people commented on liking the logo or not liking the logo, a few of them actually took pen to paper and redid the logo. And in a few instances, I was able to get a hold of them because I'm interested in finding a way for the artist community to also find a way to step in, right? So that you had not just the criticism, but the desire to then do something about it. I want to figure out how how I can inspire you to do that in a bigger way. And is there a way to plug you into some system where you can inspire other New Yorkers, right? I had um, dinner last night with a friend who works in the art world. And she said, you know, we could get some big artists to do these kinds of posters. I'm like, great. And by the way, it has to be distributed, right? This movements are distributed. And I think that that's really the opportunity because, you know, we're still celebrating the doers, right? We want to find more of those doers. We want to tell the stories of those doers so that, you know, like um, this gentleman, Anthony Edwards, who started Eat Okra in Brooklyn to help people find Black-owned restaurants that they can support or eat, you know, eat from through delivery, I want to tell his story. I want to tell the story of a keen who started a bakery on Bergen and also teaches math in the afternoons for kids in the community. The more we give light to those stories and make them the heroes of our city, I think the more we will tee up this notion that it's actually cool to give back, you know, like Matt, you and I have kids, right? How often do they worry about whether they're cool or not cool? I'm like, who cares about cool? Like, do something. That's actually what's cool.
0: Absolutely, and and uh, I love this story so much. Talk about your impressions of our current governor and mayor. I think that uh, Adams is doing a good job. I think the bar was incredibly low before him with Bill de Blasio, um, who I work with. When I was in City Hall, when I was in my 20s, Bill was the chief of staff. Remember Peter Vallone, the speaker of the city council? Uh, he was an uh, Astoria legendary Queens politician ruled the city council as speaker with an iron hand you know uh, in a different era and Bill was his chief of staff and he wasn't awful if I'm being fair but he wasn't someone who you said boy you know this guy's really going places he was just sort of one of these people who took up space and uh, I found during my tenure in the public sector there were some dynamic people And there were some people who, if they didn't have jobs where they were, would have a very hard time getting a job anywhere else. Adam seems to be bringing a lot of energy to the job. Talk about your impressions there and how else can our industry work with and help you beyond what's already happening and the tremendous forces that you have galvanized?
1: Yeah, look, I I did not grow up in the world of politics, but what I can tell you in the last year where I've gotten a small window in, is that this is a complicated city. I mean, what makes New York amazing is also what makes it difficult. Solving problems here are not easy. And so, you know, I think Adams is much more business friendly. There seems to be a lot more positive energy. In the end, it's going to be actions. But the thing that makes it possible to make things happen is not just him or her alone, right? I mean, that really... what I've discovered is how complicated it is to make things happen. And I think the thing that I'm interested in and the call that I would put out to our industry, because I did not grow up in the world of politics, unlike you, I was not close. So I, you know, I never went to a community board meeting, but I've gotten more involved in my own local community here in Chelsea. And what I'm interested in is getting the voices that have always been doing the fight, you know, the ones who've been going to community board meetings, to now be met with other people who, you know, historically have not been engaged civically for whatever reason to join forces. Because to your point, it's kind of like a turnaround, right? When I was at Gannett or other companies and we did turnarounds, you had to be incredibly respectful of the people who were there and then bring new ideas into the fold and figure out how you brought these two forces together to reimagine the path forward. I think that that's what our city needs because- You know, as somebody who'd done a startup, done global companies, like I just solved the problem differently than maybe somebody who'd been doing it the same way before. But I didn't do it alone. I knew I had to work within the system and learn and be respectful of what was there. I think that's what our city needs because. When I see what's happening in my neighborhood of Chelsea, I often see people who've been there and have been beating their head against the wall, because it is hard to make things happen, say, well, there's just nothing I can do about that. You know, that problem on that corner has been going on, I don't know, since 2019. And I inherently believe that if you've got 10 smart people, you could solve anything. I just believe that. And so it's funny, this weekend I was with my husband, he's always he consumes a lot of content and he was watching a documentary about Benjamin Franklin and Benjamin Franklin, it turns out, believed in the collective and, and the idea of self-reliance, the idea that any 10 people coming together could make change. And I, I inherently like, I'm a kid who grew up in revolution. Like I know that that's real, right? If 12 year old, you know, immigrant girl from Iran could make a New York city next thing happen with a bunch of other people. That means anybody can do anything. And so I, You know, even in my own neighborhood in October, I had this idea when I was at Nextdoor, which now, you know, I have lots of crazy ideas, but I had this idea because we live on a closed street that I'd seen like a picture of that um, in Egypt for iftar, they'd put a long table out in the middle of a street and they'd had a meal together and I was like that's so glorious. We live on a street that was closed but they called it an open street in COVID. And I'd gotten to know my neighbors a lot more because we were all home, right? We weren't on a plane going someplace. And I was like, what if we could have a table and we all broke bread together, like on the street? And so I posted it on Nextdoor. And, you know, sometimes that conversation goes sideways. And it was sort of a game for me to be like, could I convert the conversation? But generally people were interested in the idea. Well, fast forward in September, a guy, I'd been telling this guy, Jerry, about it, and he was like, you know, we should just do this. And my husband said to me, you know, Miriam, that's just one too many. We're in the middle of this project. Like how many hours in the day can one person work? And I was like, you know what? Jerry's interested. You don't have to work on it. I'm just going to double down with Jerry. And Jerry and I and 10 neighbors, we literally put out flyers. We said, we're going to rent 40 tables and 400 chairs. You bring the friends and the food. And I kid you not, I mean, it was like being in college. I was putting like flyers underneath window wipers and, you know, we got a permit and we came together with other people. It was noon on October 16th, 500 neighbors showed up. And we all, I mean, it was like somebody was looking out for us. It was sunny. We had no rain date. You had to bring your own food. People brought different kinds of food. There were kids. There was people from the, you know, community center, different ages. The police came, somebody brought bagels. They offered them around. It was just the most glorious moment of just pure community. And not everybody was from Chelsea, but I now know run into people, right? And now they know me and they'll like, tell me about a problem or they want to kvetch about something. Like, it's amazing. And we didn't have an organization. There was no like big structure. 10 people, we just pulled together and did it. And literally some of them were like, I don't know how to use Google Docs. I was like, no problem. I'll show you. Like, that's what it's going to take. And so you know what? It's my city. It's your city. What are you going to do? Stop bitching and go do something. That's my headline.
0: Absolutely fantastic. I can't think of a more compelling or powerful headline to end on. You are the quintessential New Yorker and the quintessential North-South mover. And I love your ability to just get shit done. Uh, and, uh, you are trying to help, uh, a city I love more than any other. My family's from Brooklyn. I grew up in Queens. I work in Manhattan, uh, and, uh, I love what you're doing and we will always be here to help and support you any and every way we can. Let's try to build something great for advertising week in October together, uh, back in New York. And, uh, I loved, uh, the return of Mary Ann Ben
1: Well, thank you. And I'm going to put this call out to you because, you know, one of the things, Matt, we share is our love of comedy. And we have a lot of comedians in New York and we've been playing with lines, right? Like we get more done by day and a.m. than Boston. And that just got all kinds of pickup. We got a lot of people who write a lot of really good lines and we have a lot of screens that we can put those on. So we need good tension and good energy to mobilize people. So let's let's get it going.
0: I challenge accepted.